Here we go with the latest SBL shoot around. We take a look at everything from the men's competition with a man who's created a remarkable coaching legacy after a 200-game playing career. Ben Etridge joins Chris Wright to bring you another men's SBL shoot around. Welcome to our third episode here of Men's SBL Shootaround. Ben, hopefully that means we're doing something right. We've made it to three shows. We seem to be getting some better feedback each week. I think our show last week with James Fitch was a big hit with our listeners. And hopefully this week's show is as well. Because not only do we have one special guest, we've got two of them. And they are two men that you've got quite a long history with. So I'll let you tell us who we're going to speak to. But I'm Chris Pike, your co-host here on SBL Shootaround. Ben Etridge, the men that everyone's here to listen to. How do I find you for another week? Yeah, nah, excellent. Um, enjoying enjoying uh, the, the basketball that's slowly starting to filter back into our lives as uh, each week goes past. And I think, I think three in a row counts as a three-peat, so we'll, in, <laughs> does, the, um, in the mode of uh, the last dance, we'll count that as our first three-peat. So, yeah, happy to still be on the air and um, and having some people listening. And, and also, again, those those catch-ups and those uh, connections that people are making through basketball has been, been phenomenal. So, um, and yeah, as you said, uh, really looking forward to having a chat to tonight's two guests in um, Mark Utley, former mm-hmm. SBL Personality of the Year, the former Most Improved Player of the SBL in 2011, Seb Salinas, yeah. um, captain of the June Lut Wolves uh, for the past few years. So looking forward to have a chat to them and seeing where they're at with the um, the season sort of slowly creeping up on us now, as it seems, and what they've been doing in the um, in the isolation times to keep themselves ready to go. If you were to name two people that you've got a pretty long history with and a great connection with, I think Seb and Mark would be right at the top of that list, wouldn't they? Yeah, look, you think about it, um, probably Mark and I are very similar in age. I think you might have me by about a year. So we played a lot of our, uh, didn't really cross paths in juniors, but played a lot of our SBL careers against each other and then pretty much coached our, our whole careers together. And then um, Seb, I've known since uh, sort of a 14-year-old kid knocking about at Sterling there uh, all the way through to now where he's uh, you know, the, been the captain of the club I was at for, for 10 years. So, yeah, very, very um, good memories with those two boys and, and shared some good times and some tough times. And um, as I said before, looking forward to catching up with them. Last week's show, our interview with James Fitch was a big hit. And, and just listening back to it, some of the stories that he shared, I mean, I'll never get over the fact that he quickly corrected me that not only did he score 61 points once on East Perth in 1992, he did it did it twice. How he quickly pointed out to you that he would have no trouble breaking the all-time single-game scoring record if he was playing today. But he was he was a humble man as well. And he's just so proud of what he's been able to build as a life out here and, and down in Bunbury. It was a it was a terrific interview and a, and a great way for us to do our first interview here on, on SBL Shootaround. Yeah, and, and the word legacy gets thrown around a lot um, mm. nowadays, and I think James epitomises that, uh, what he's done on the court, what he's done off the court, and now, as he said, he's um, looking to leave a legacy with those younger uh, Slammers boys coming through, working with Mark Worthington down there. So, um, yeah, absolute legend. Um, the stories probably still hold true and will hold true in another 20 years, although I think he might go for Wilt's 100-point um, game in a, another 20 years' time um, as, <laughs> as the legend gets bigger and bigger. So, but no, always I great. Wasn't wait, I wasn't waiting and, for that. <laughs> now, looking forward to catching up with him and um, hopefully sharing a few more stories. Okay, now, one thing you left our show with last week was a call out to get some comments on the players you used to love to watch in the 1990s, the the superstars you would 
travel to go and watch like you did to go and watch James Fitch in Bunbury, the players that you would go and see every weekend and pay your good money to, to go and watch play. Now, we've got a, a couple of people that have sent some names in, and, and one of those, unsurprisingly, is Mark Utley, who's one of our guests tonight as well. But before we get to those, do you want to tell us the players along with James Fitch that you used to look up to before you started your playing career? Yeah, look, my uh, my list is is very long. I think I, I managed to spend a, a whole night just deep diving into the, the guys mm. that were out here in the past and, and found a few photos of them in college and a few knocking about in the SBL. And um, I tried to attach a bit of a memory to each one. So um, I've, mm. got a, I've got a couple of honourable mentions and then I've got my top five that I sort of put together. Um, so I started off with um, Tyrone Pitt, who was an uh, import down at the Rainbow Coast Raiders. He was the first, that was the first indoor basketball game that I went and watched down there. Wow. One cold and wintry night, we drove down from Catanning to Albany, and from that moment on, we were hooked. Uh, watched uh, the Raiders play um, down there in the um, the old Albany indoor indoor rec centre, which was the inverted indoor cricket centre, which had the grandstand all the way around the court, which was uh, quite a, probably one of the only few courts in WA that had that. Um, yeah. And you know, just to see a guy of his athleticism and skill, uh, I think he dropped 44 points that night, and and that was a quite something he did on the regular. So we were down there quite often, and uh, I'd be you know begging mum and dad could we make the trip down on a on a Saturday afternoon to be able to watch them play. So he was the first one. Um, I I chucked in at uh, the honourable mentions um, one of my favourite people of all time in in Craig C J Jackson. Um, yeah. I just absolutely idolised. CJ and how he played, um, you know, a guy that was six foot six and handled the ball and did everything. And back in those days, um, didn't mind talking a bit of trash and didn't matter if it was the opposition, if it was the crowd, if it was people there. And the fact that you could get a bit of a, a by play with him um, on the sideline, if he, mm-hmm. he knew a few of us from Willerton, and then he would always make a point to have a chat here. And then um, Vince Kelly was just the, the scoring machine. And um, which mm-hmm. you sort of, you know, you think about Michael Jordan and what he was doing, Vince, Vince was just tearing up the league. So I had those three as, uh, as honorable mentions, but then my, my top five. Again, at number five, I had James Fitch, um, the ultimate professional, and I think last week we covered off on, on that. Number four, I had Jeff Anderson, just because of um, his legacy and, and the way he played the game. And there was no no fuss, no no trash talk. He just went out and, and gave you buckets every week and, and rebounded and did all those sorts of things. And uh, four MVPs um, in his time in the league was just phenomenal. At number three, I had... Uh, a guy that only played probably part of the season and was a level above, and that was Chris Sandal. Uh, he played mm. for the Swan City Mustangs, um, led him to a grand final. I remember going to watch a game, and I, I think if memory serves, it was was eight dunks in the first half and eight triples in the <laughs> second half. Um, he was just a, an absolute beast. He he could do everything. Big left-hander, um, had the unfortunate task of guarding him one night uh, when I was at Coburn. Thought I'd done a good job. He only had 12 points to the half and then I think he exploded for something unbelievable in the second half. Um, so I had him at number three. All-time favourite of mine at number two is Alan Erickson. Absolutely mm. uh, loved everything that Al did. The SVL's Larry Bird. Um, yep. He's Time down at Coburn was absolutely sensational. And at number one, it's going to probably surprise people a little bit. Not an import. Um, but it's someone that I actually um, admired immensely and, and would love going to watch play. And that's my former high school coach at uh, Willett Senior High School, Mike Forsyth. Mike was just an amazing man. He was um, a mentor of mine on the court and off the court. And as a sort of 15 and 16-year-old, um, having him as your high school teacher um, and then being able to go and watch him play in the SBL on a, on a Friday or Saturday night was just unbelievable. And every time you went and saw Mike play, the thing that I think I admired the most was that 
it was Mike's job to go up against those guys. So it was James Fitch one night for him, then Vince Kelly the next, then Carl Gonda, uh, Chris Sandal. Uh, Mike Mike was that guy on Coburn who it was his job to go out and, and make their life as, as hard as possible. And I think that's where I, I know I said I watched those other guys playing, but watching Mike and sort of seeing it as, well, there's a guy that's the same height as me, the same athleticism and, and same skill set. I could really relate to what Mike did and was fortunate enough to have him as my coach for three years at Willerton and then as a teammate for two years in my, my first two years in the SBL. So absolutely loved going and watching him play because of the way he went about his business, but also um, you know, the, the lessons that he taught me both on and off the court um, are things that I've taken with me for a very, very long time. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely loved watching those guys play, but um, yeah, pretty special place for me is, um, is watching Mike. No, it's an incredible list and, they're all names that, as someone that didn't grow up in WA, unfortunately, so I, I didn't get the upbringing with the SBL. Since I've been so heavily involved in the league over the over the recent years, I've made it I've made it my responsibility to obviously learn the history, and all those names are obviously a big part of it. And it's great to hear your insight into them. The one that I guess CJ Jackson's the one that I've got to know the best out of those former players. So it's great to hear more about him as as a as a player as well and i i'm just loving the history that you're bringing to this show and and the, the fact that you are bringing such a passion to the past of the SBL and hopefully all of our listeners are enjoying that aspect to it as well because it's it's a hell of a lot of fun for me to learn all of these things that i unfortunately didn't get to grow up experiencing myself yeah and that's you know that's what i love doing and that's you know what you'll probably see when we have a chat to mark later we we, we just love talking basketball and we we mm. we love the history of the game and uh, we also love the direction the game's heading and we, we, we can't move forward if we forget what we've done in the past. And um, those guys that, that set the foundation for us that allow us to do what we're doing, um, I think it's very important that we, we stay connected with them because they have so much to learn. And a guy like CJ and a guy like James that are coaching in the league, that are putting back and giving back, that's what we want to encourage and that's what we want to show that you know, these guys were the biggest names in the league and now they're... Yeah, you know, they're happy to sit on the sideline and impart that knowledge. So always, always happy to talk about it, and um, yeah, hopefully people are enjoying it. Yeah, I hope so too. Now, P- Previn, your old mate Previn Chandran has got back in touch with us as well. His thoughts on on the the players, Jeff Anderson, the Wolves and Tigers. I remember shooting hoops on court one back in the high school days, and that dude was on the scissor sweeper midweek, making sure his <laughs> canvas was clean. He caught one of my bricks and launched a twenty footer with one hand, going away. Whilst the other hand manoeuvred the sweep, straight cash. Net net snap was heard on court four. If anyone has looked into the history of Jeff Anderson, watched him play, um, doesn't surprise you at all, I, I assume. Not at all. And uh, well, hopefully one day we get Jeff on, and I'm going to ask him how many sure. how many times he's replaced the nets on the courts at uh, at the old Willand Basketball Stadium. Because uh, yeah, it's either Jeff walking up and down with the um, with the duster or Jeff up on the ladder replacing the nets. And again, humble man. You would not know when you walked in there that he was a, an absolute legend and had four MVPs to his name. Just went about his business. But yeah, my memories of Jeff are also you know fond of, of how he went about and how he played, but also just a, a humble man that, that loved basketball. And, and Mark Utley's got in touch as well and has said, apart from the obvious, Larry Koretz was one of mine. I got to watch a lot of him from the front row seats. Yeah, Larry was a, a big power forward, one of the one of the sort of big military style haircuts, flat top, um, big barrel chest on him, and, and would sort of just you know use that upper body strength to his to his advantage, and yeah, would would set a, a mean mean on ball pick and had a fairly soft touch around the basket if I remember rightly. So mm-hmm. 
probably someone who who Mark modelled his game on, except Mark was uh, <laughs> six foot one, not six foot eight. <laughs> a soft touch doesn't really ring true as something that might have been Mark Mark's specialty, but <laughs> but but you never know. Um, never know. Now we got, <laughs> we got to keep moving here, Ben, on SBR shoot around because we've got two massive guests, Mark Utley and Seb Salinas, and there's plenty for us to talk about. Now we'll wrap up this first segment. What have you heard about what sort of a competition might be now looking more likely to pop up later later this year or probably later later in July is what I'm what I'm hearing. What are you hearing about what that competition will look like and, and some of the guidelines that the clubs might have been told about? A few people have spoken to me throughout the week and it seems to be they're locking in that 10-week run-round season uh, with a, a top four final series. From what I'm hearing, the, the league is... Um, Sort of removing the salary cap and allowing teams, or they're encouraging teams not to not to pay players. But if they do, um, the salary cap is sort of a uh, something to be acknowledged, but won't be enforced. If that makes sense. Mm. Um, and they're also sort of seeing it as an opportunity for clubs, perhaps, to start to prepare for next year. And if they would like to uh, approach other players and get them to play a little bit closer to home, so guys don't sort of have to traipse up and down the freeway. Um, they're sort of encouraging that as well, and I think a few clubs are, are jumping on board with that idea as well, just to sort of see if um, in ten weeks they could almost try before they buy with um, with different people. So, but definitely looks like there will be some sort of basketball happening in that ten week format. Maybe a maybe a different different face in a different uniform here and there. Uh, but on the whole, yeah, that that's kind of what's happening. And I think the biggest one maybe that um, has been set out is that the no import players um, unless they have stayed in Australia during this time. So I know there's a couple yeah. of teams who have um, players in that situation. So um, is that a level playing field for everyone? It's always going to happen. There's going to be the haves and have-nots within any competition. So I guess for, for a 10-week season, it's just going to be one of those things where some teams are just going to have to bite the bullet. And if they've only got uh, the Australian contingent, then they can look at it as a, a building block for next year. And as I said before, if teams are getting those uh, restricted players in, uh, might be a chance to have a look at guys that are a bit new or someone that they haven't had for a while um, on their roster and see if they are a good fit for, for a full season next year. It's so much to dissect in all of that that I think we'll have to dedicate a lot a lot of next week's show to talk about it. So that's 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 shelved for this week and come back to it next week because there's so many so many other other points or points to expand upon within that. So the good news is that we'll get some sort of basketball this year so that that's the great positive positive out of that now let's wrap up this first segment ben before we speak to mark utley here on sbl shoot around i've got a question for you without notice um okay now this is a this is a tricky one for you um well and it probably only requires a very quick answer what what was tougher for you over the last four years losing twice to matt parsons coach teams or once to a nick lakovich coach team in a grand final Oh, I think all of them were were tough. You know, it's not just uh, you're not going up against one person. You, you know, if you look at it in in that way, there's been plenty of times when um, the shoe's been on the other foot, just not on the biggest the biggest stage. And again, uh, in those one-off grand finals, it's it's uh, the best the best team on the night will win, and you don't begrudge anyone for for a championship, especially you know, a club like Redbacks, who it was I think you know, 20, 20 odd years since they'd won one, and then Coburn was in the same similar situation. So you know, there's a lot of history behind each team. Probably similar to us in in 2011 uh, when mm. we hadn't won one since 1992 or 93. So um, yeah, look, you're not just going up against one person. So it's the the entire club, and then you're doing it for those sorts of people. So 
Um, there's been plenty of other other losses. I'll, um, you know, a, a 2012 loss to Canada in a in a gold medal game in a Paralympics when, yeah. when that's your full time job and you put four years of your life into that one. That's probably one that that hurt a bit more than um, than an SBL SBL championship. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, happy to have two and happy to have, have several on the on the line to talk about those two a bit later. Absolutely. Yeah. Well handled. I'll keep coming up with new questions this week and I'll try to I'll try to try to catch you up on one of them. But for now. Let's wrap up this first segment and let's move into our next segment and we'll chat with Mark Utley, the legend of the SBL. Okay, back here on SBL Shootaround and we couldn't have an SBL show without speaking to this man. It's only taken us until the third show to get him online. He's reached legendary status in SBL for what he did as a player, what he's done as a coach, for what he brings as a personality. Mark Utley. A man that you know very well, Ben. Mark, thanks for thanks for joining us, and a pleasure to have you on our show. Mate, I'm so excited to be on the show. I've been waiting for ages to be asked. It's <laughs> such a pleasure. In the world of podcasts, you guys are probably just a little bit more popular than my dad wrote a porno. This is so good. I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, Outstanding. Yeah, <laughs> I'll hand you over to, the, to Ben because you guys have got a hell of a history together as teammates, as opponents, as coaching opponents, and, and as... As people that like to like to obviously have your hands in a lot of different pies when it comes to basketball in WA. Well, the two of us yeah. have been around a long time, and, and uh, we certainly talk about, a lot about loving this game. And uh, there's probably two people that uh, have diehard tragics, and that's us too. Yeah, and look, you know, Mark and I, we we do share a uh, a common bond there. I think we we sort of grew up uh, watching the, those early '90s teams. Mark played a lot earlier than I did in the SBL, and then they're yeah, fortunate enough to um, be a teammate of Mark's down in, in Mandra for a couple of seasons, and um, yeah, have enjoyed uh, many a catch up and. Um, just talking about the game. So great to have you on, Mark. And I guess, yeah, as we sort of spoke about in the first one, um, you know, it's trying to get that perspective of what's been happening for you as a active coach in the league and how you've managed this um, sort of last six to ten weeks when the um, when the season kind of got ripped away from us after a, after a full preseason. Yeah, we were um, really looking forward to the season. Uh, second year in of like the start of a three-year plan and we had Tevin Bellinger and Albert Almanza over and all the Calamunda guys we're ready to go. Um, we're looking forward to the start. We thought we could actually build on our first playoff race for a while and then it sort of got, the rug got pulled out from under us and the only thing we look forward to is Wednesday workouts with Mark which is probably about as appropriate as Michael Jordan doing an anti-smoking campaign. Um, <laughs> so for us, it's been a hard sort of grind knowing what's happening. We haven't been able to get into our court because the Shire of Calamunda is, like a lot of Shires, have just completely closed the venue. We're trying to keep in contact with the players, but I've basically left it up to them to manage most of their fitness. So we'll probably get back and start running on and training on this Sunday. Yeah, that's, um, again, you know, you talked to a few guys around the league and that, that similar feeling that was around. But you know, how do you how do you feel that you were, you were going in your preparation? I mean, you, you lost um, Jav and, and Braun as your two imports and replaced them with, and I'll let you talk about the two guys you replaced them with, but you're sort of starting to build that culture up there where um, you've got that consistency in your playing group. You've had a bit of time uh, with them now. Like, you know, where were you at um, with that? And as you say, you've left to the guys themselves. You know, who's who was the one that really took the team uh, on board, I guess, to, uh, to keep them together during this time? Um, well, we basically all tried to, to stay together. Um, we had two good imports. Tevin Ballinger was outstanding and he showed that in the preseason. Albert Almanza was a real shooter and 
he, both of them were first year sort of out. They went to Mexico for small stints and Albert came from a program where he never took a bad shot. So he was going to learn the aspects of being an SBL import. And I think once they sort of realised, which I've seen before with imports, even Josh Braun, I had to sit him down and talk to him about the fact that you wouldn't have the import and the guys want you to shoot is um, the licence that, it really has been there. Our Australians were looking really, really good. And I was, yeah, you know, I was really pleased with the development of someone like I believe Biggs don't really keep their peak till about 27. And someone like Cooper Lowe reminds me of a young Clint Reed, the way he hits, hits the post and loves contact and, and those sorts of guys. And Carl Aylett has that ability to um, be brash and bold and back it up when he gets on court. And, and a lot of those guys are good. And one of the measures, I think, of a program is with us, we're you know, a low-resource team. Um, we're not a big-budget team. And people like Brendan Donato and Jermaine Marley have chose to come up there and play so our foundations were really really strong um, and we're looking forward to building on that now we've got to get ourselves ready for the WCC or West Coast Classic or I call it the West Coast Curtain because it's um, rumours around the league that's a bit like uh, the Cold War and there's a bit of a, an arms race building with teams loading up and maybe looking to recruit for next year and the issue is at times I feel like on the island of Mauritius and all I've got to throw of it is mangoes <laughs> yeah, well, look, you know, you've you've taken those sorts of programs on before, and I think if you look at your your time down in in, in Rockingham, I know you'd sort of look at your first couple of years down there as building the same, and and I think you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, really, when we talk about recruiting, you you're someone that's really um, you know, got his imports right. Where, first of all, where do you where do you have those links to find those imports? And when you are looking at your team, we see a lot of teams, they, they get it wrong and they'll have those one and done guys that come in and they don't really leave a legacy. But, you know, if you look at what the, the land boys did for you down in Rockingham and then I think you're pretty unfortunate not to sign Jav and, and Braun again yeah. for this year. But, you know, what are, what, are, what are you looking for in those guys and where are you sort of looking to find them? Well, I, th- I think it's a process, and I, I, that's what I love about your show. It's people that love basketball and love SBL, and you know, I've always sort of set that goal to do it. And for me, it's thirty odd years of of keeping a track record of of a spreadsheet of all imports and where they come from, and what are the best aspects you look for, and those sorts of things. And then building networks of people over there and putting a formula together of where I really want to get my imports and what they need to average in D two and D one, and and whether they've been a leader on their team in college and whether they value D. Like, as I was about to say, it's a step down for you guys in guests. You had the great James Fitch uh, last week and now you got me. But James <laughs> was one that came out with a pedigree in playing defence and playing hard. I think it's for Tim Floyd. Um, and then and then coming in here, he's, he's developed his three-point shot and he's a legend of the game. And, you know, I sort of know the league, but for that guy not to win a league MVP, it just sort of showed how much of a team player he was and allowing people to take votes off him this time was the only reason because he was outstanding. He was brilliant. Um, the other, how much the other of an one, advantage, sorry, sorry this is, how much other, of an advantage do you think it was for you that you actually played, that you, you and I'll put the picture of you and Fuds um, up on the Facebook page, you know, as one of the players that I'd love to go and watch play and how much is that, me or advantage is that for you? Well, I'll put you both in that category. I'm not, not, <laughs> not going to say how far apart you are in the category, but you're in that category. Um, uh, but, you know, how much of an advantage was that for you and that knowledge of the league of what it, you know, what it took to be good to, to be great? I think it, I think it's essential because for me, like I've spent, well, I've played 289 games, and I reckon 
seven of them were decent. Um, but a lot of the times I sat on the bench and I learnt how these guys handled themselves at training. I love training. I saw the guys that want to come and work hard and develop their games. And the best imports that we've had out here are guys that actually develop once they hit the SBL. They develop a new trick or they develop something. And for me as a player, I could see how those guys worked and I could see what they brought and what structures they did. And going back to my networks, having Cooper Land who's trying to hit me up for agent fees now and Taylor Land, and those guys know sort of what um, my system and structure are and I get them to, to actually ring the imports and sort of tell them that this weird guy from Perth is going to ring you up generally on a Friday night. He's going to talk to you and you're going to know what's going on. But trust me that he's a good coach to play for. And that playing background, although it was just being around teams and being around stars, learning the ins and outs and knowing on a Thursday night you could rock up to training and one of your imports doesn't want to train, and you can just tell and how you get around that is the essential part of, of, of being a coach. Paul, yeah, get your thoughts on. Before we get your thoughts on what's still going to happen this year and what's being proposed from BWA, Mark, I wanted to go back to last year because I loved what you you had done at the Eastern Suns. You you build on what Michael Clark had done, but you put your own stamp on it. And it wasn't just because you got two great imports with Josh Braun and 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 Javion Blake. It, it was it was what Ryan Blanchett was giving you, it was what Cooper Lowe was giving you, John Diaz, Carl Aylett. It was these guys that bled for for Calamunda and and I mean you just got unlucky. Lewis Timms and Josh Braun were injured for the playoff series. And do, do you how how? How well do you think he could have done if he had a full, fully-fledged team come playoff time? Uh, year, do you think? Well, I know Ben was coaching the Wolves, and yeah. they, had head- they had headaches with Javi and Blake in that series because of how dynamic he was. If we put another scorer next to him with Louis or with Josh, I, mm. I think it would have been a really, really close series. Um, yeah, I think so too. And, you know, out of all the teams we didn't want to match up on, it was the Wolves. You know, we would have liked to get him in a one-game Grand final, but that's how the nature of SBL goes. <laughs> I, you know, if we could have played um, any of the other teams and got our way through, we're happy with it. But you know, when you, you're five minutes before the last training and Josh Braun lands on someone's foot totally by accident mm. the week before, and and you know, I was sitting there looking at it, and he was trying as hard as he can to play, and he took his shoe off. And I've done some really really bad ankles in my time, and this one was completely black, and he's trying to get me to play. A testament to how tough a bloke he was. Yeah, no, you definitely were a handful. And again, Jav, Jav showed something pretty special uh, at that in those, those couple of games, and. I think we, we basically threw out the initial game plan and, and ended up just throwing the whole kitchen sink at him just to try and try and thwart what he was doing because he just uh, he turned it on to another level. So he was um yeah no very 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 hard man to stop. So but if we sort of turn and and sort of get back to what you spoke about at the start, I, I take it you've um you've heard a bit more than what we perhaps have in the last sort of week or so since um, we had a chat last year about or last week about the options for the West Coast Classic. Um, you know, what are you hearing and, and what are you feeling at the moment? Um, well, interesting. When when it happened and COVID happened, we sent our imports home. Like, our teams were sort of told that it was going to be a league with no restricted players and you play with whoever you are. The guidelines have come out and I just hope that you know clubs stick to those because I think it would be a really exciting time teams to develop and play players at this time. Um, it looks like it's going to be a one-round season uh, where you only travel once to either Kalgoorlie or Geraldton and then it'll be a top four going through. 
I'm really, I'm really excited with no imports. I still think, as I said, if you put a team of, you know, Lewis Timms, Ryan Blanchett, Logan Viscovich, Cooper Lowe, um, Carl Aylett, Brendan Donato, Jermaine Bailey, Nathan Drown, our team's solid across all positions. And if I forgot someone, it's just testament to how deep we are. Um, we're not going to have the stars as imports, but we're just going to go out and just try and oh i forgot Corey easily um as an old as an older guy as another big um we're just going to go out and just play as hard as we can and take it at these teams that are um might be might be looking to recruit but hopefully it's just going to be an open season and a bit of fun to get these guys back on court as you said there's nothing worse than doing all the pre-season living through all the gambit of mark up the games and jokes and and <laughs> different drills involving coloured bouncy squishy balls and everything at training and then you get to finally play and it's the rug's pulled out from under you so we're just going to go as hard as we can and play yeah and look and you know hearing you talk about that I, I sort of i look at it and go you know is there perhaps an opportunity moving forward that you know once we we get through this um and you know you just listed off you know seven or eight guys that have been in the league for two or three years that perhaps without those bigger names there would get a lot more opportunity is there is there something that you know if this is a tournament that they're going to you know, maybe want to keep around that, that it actually becomes that it's almost uh, the SBL season's finished for for a lot of teams the the, the league finishes at the end of um end of July um so you know August um playoffs um month of September off and and then have something in that October November which fills that void while we're waiting for for the season to come because we do have a long off season I sometimes feel like we train for nine months of the year and only play for three it just seems like well we spend so much time in practice that um the game's far far outweighed by it and then you know to have that sort of um opportunity to 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 play some guys for, for 10 or 12 games put them in a final series where they do have to take that on board. Uh, and it might not be that you know the, the powerhouse clubs are going to win it, but you'd want them to support it because in the end, it's going to make our league so much stronger. So, um, yeah, just something that sort of popped into my head then. The um, big one for me, I've pushed, I've pushed for a number of seasons now with more teams is, is to shorten the season, the time frame of the season. Um, yep. We are really, really... Uh, one of the longest seasons ever. We start in March and finish in August because of the nature of it. And uh, we've the longest longest season across the the whole country. Yeah, and I and I, I actually think we could go to something creative and put out something that there are permanently two um, divisions, you know, like a, say a north and south, that but only have but still have the one ladder. You don't have a north ladder and a south ladder, and then you only have to go and play the op team once every two years at their venue. But then, as Ben saying, wouldn't it be good once that happens and imports leave, so they're not rushed? You have like tournament at the end, and it's a bit like soccer has FA Cup invitationals and has its own sort of prestige to witty that tournament at the end because you know it's basically the guys that are WA based. And I think that'd be really, really good. I've also thought that something like that could make a link with D League. And I've, I've been a big one as a thinker in the league that revolutionising D League that any person can play that under an age and you do it midweek with DJs there for young people might be better than sort of some of the things we set up on a Sunday. But the wheels that change around WA with all the associations generally having to agree just sometimes stalls change. And that's, you know, that's in my professional life and teaching. It's in uh, basketball. It's in a lot of things. It's probably I just want to move quicker and have to sort of rein it in a little bit at times. As we know, change is one of the most scary things for people. And, um, yeah, they resist it with uh, with a lot of uh, – with, with everything they've got in some stages. So, But if we sort of 
talk about the league and where it was heading, we know what you guys were sort of um, heading towards and you know, it sounds like you were still going to put on a more than competitive team and with you on the sideline and having that extra extra year with your boys, that, that um, connectivity hey, let, and hey, let's not, longevity. Let's not, let's not take this in lightly. I was hoping that you'd come out and give me a bit of a hand this year, but you chose the start of a radio podcast with Chris Pye. <laughs> the text message is still sitting there. I'm, I'm waiting for the reply. <laughs> Oh, I look good in black and orange. If you can get me one of those ties that you wear, I'll wear, the, I'll wear a button-up black shirt with an orange tie. Don't worry about that. <laughs> hey, hey, they're, they're very sought after at Lowe's, those ties. <laughs> Not many people can wear, wear the $9 tie like I can. <laughs> uh, do I have to pick up on something you said before, Mark? Uh, you mentioned you would have loved to play the Wolves, coached by Ben, in a one-off grand final, maybe not in a three-game series. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because yeah, and it, and it's got it's got nothing to do with the the Wolves' history in grand finals because I actually think they were really really hard done by. I'm actually I I did a PD a few years ago with the Dockers and I know they haven't won one, but they talk about just being around the mark and to get lucky enough to sort of win one. You've got to constantly do it, and their record's been outstanding. But we knew out of all the teams that the Wolves' preparation with Ben and his assistants was probably the most scouted team. Um, the ability to out teams of any and their preparation was outstanding so we knew even if we won like the first game we knew that we were going to have counters from that team where if we got in another series and you know and that's not selling short like Dave Daniels does the same Ryan Petrick mm. scouts as much as anyone as well but we just thought with the Wolves with Kevin Davis's experience with all their experienced shooters in a series they were really really dangerous I, I always say it's the Seb Salinas factor and it's also the Trion factor that mm. I think Seb Salinas was a court wiper when I used to play which was probably one of the biggest insults of all time and that's why he comes out and drops 40 <laughs> on me every single time I coach against him um, because if I had to wipe the floor when Mark up played I'd still be angry about it too <laughs> Yeah, look, again, those those one-offs, yeah, you never know. And I think maybe, um, yeah, you, you just never know who's going to step up. It just takes one person to, to take a game by the scruff yeah. of the neck, as we saw with uh, with Jav, and definitely you guys at full strength. And, um, and Josh Braun, Braun, I, I knew if Braun or Jav had a big game, anyone in that league and a one-off would struggle with those two combining together. And let's not sell it short, like, like Ben's coached him. Lewis Timms can just snap white hot at times as well mm. and at the height of Louis and his release point on jumpers if he gets hot no one's getting up to block that shot yep no, I'm going to delve a bit more into the history of you two Mark can you yep. tell me what what it was like being a teammate of Ben's in Mandurah and what's it been like coaching against him for much of the last well, well, let's start. If we're going to get nostalgic, let's start before that. <laughs> we used to play at Sterling, and Ben was this brash young kid who, when we were doing warm ups, he'd go to the side and he'd spent, I reckon, half the summer on his beach weights, biceps, and he was doing push ups <laughs> at the side. And we're sitting there looking, going, oh my God, who is this guy? You know, if anyone's there and gets a chance those days to take him out, do it. But the problem was that Ben, and I still say this, there's only been, including import, about four guards that go to the post and work you over, and that was Ben. Ben could go to the post, he could go to the three-point line, and it was a tough matchup either way. So there I was, you know, thinking, who's Ben Ettridge? And then I rocked up at Mandra and we're playing together. Mm. And I'd like you to note that we tore up Mandra domestic one season. <laughs> we were... 
we were like the undersized big bed at the end of our career that was willing to foul. And, we had 10 of them and we were going to use them. But we, we had we had some really fun times because we were down there and Mandra wasn't good at that stage and CJ Jackson is one of the funniest men I've ever been around in basketball and the three of us together were just like hilarious at times looking at it and then we played with John Triscari as coach and we both mm-hmm. get on well with John as a friend and, and um, even though we weren't good, we actually thought we were good. And we uh, challenged a lot of teams, both on and off the court. And I still remember, you know, these are the things about SBL you love. We had a road trip in the early days. They used to make you play a game on the Friday and then go play Kelwoolley on the Saturday. And no one flew. And it was the, it was the last game of the se- season. We had to play Lakeside, who was on top of the Friday. And then yep. we had to go up and play Kelwoolley, who needed to beat us to make a grand final. So for some bizarre reason... I still don't know why. They got us in a school coaster that had 16 seats with about 14 of us in there and took us after the game on Friday night. We drove to Wongan Hills, about two and a half hours in the wrong direction to go to Calcoli <laughs> the next morning. It was the longest road trip I've ever done. And then for the Saturday night, I spent all my time as the guy that should have retired 10 years ago, having <laughs> everyone on the Calgary team dunk on me in front of their crowd who loved me. It was wonderful. Yeah. Uh, I still I, I still shudder that road trip. The Just, um, yeah. Fun time. Great time. We, we, we have one of my teammates that stole my pillow too, Chris. Oh, who was it? Who was and I think he, I think he stole someone's shoes as well. I was wearing it at a nightclub, <laughs> if I remember right. Mate, yeah, they worried about the shoes. They worried about the shoes, and I was trying to explain as a married man that was a matching set from our bed. I was in more trouble than ever when I come back without a pillowcase. How are you going to explain it to Simone? <laughs> There's no way. I had to pretend to go out and try and buy another one. <laughs> who, who was the uh, teammate? Uh, we'll keep that confidential. Yeah, no, that's uh, best left unsaid for now. <laughs> This is the most popular podcast, so he's definitely listening. Oh, we, we hope so. Yeah. What, what about coaching against Ben? What's that been like? Um, challenging, I think, as a, as a record, it's, it's 100% wins to Ben Ettridge and 0% wins to Mark Up. It's probably <laughs> the coach that I've struggled to, to beat in my time, both in in Rockingham and that, but Ben's had some pretty good teams in those times and, and matchup-wise, we've had some pretty close ones. I think we had one where Cooper Land might have got him at the old Wanneroo Stadium one night and that's about the only time I think I've, I've lost. Ben's always prepared, um, always does his uh, you know knowledge of the game's outstanding. You know, from year to year, we, we used to talk about innovations in basketball and then I'd go down there and you know, what I thought was just talking about what's happening, Ben's implementing it and uh, it was one of those ones that I'd, yeah, I've got the utmost respect for playing the Wolves and, and having been coach um, their teams because they're always, always, always a challenge for us. Are you going to miss coaching against Ben or Nick Lakovic more this year? No, more both. Both coaching mm. against both are, are long-time friends of mine. Nick, Nick yeah. and I play with each other at, at Senators and I love like Nick's dad. It's, every time I go down there and see it and his family, his, um, his dad's always there. I just mm-hmm. think you know, these sort of people, there's there's someone else who's a long-time person not coaching this year that I thought, oh, I'm also going to miss them um, going through and, and looking at it. So Adam Nina was the other one. Yeah, of sort course. Of. Yeah, Nina. But, there, but he's yeah. at Willerton as an assistant coach. Yeah, he was pleased to see me in the Blitz. I don't, I don't, I don't think he's got over the fact that I'm mistook him for Carter Cook one day. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, uh, now, now, Ben, we, we haven't probably got halfway through the things we want to talk to Mark about. We're going to have to get him on again. Yeah, yep, sure. But, but most important, I know. I'll, only agreement yeah, I, that I came on was for my yeah, yeah, and as I was about to say, um, uh, like me, I think uh, Mark is probably one of the, a big fan of lists. So I, I don't know this list. I haven't vetted it, but I'm going to um, going to throw it to Mark and let him um, unload his list of uh, for the week. Go for it. My, my list is a good one, it's a basketball one. In the SPL, the all-time one-hit wonder, unrestricted player. So they're Australians that have come into our league for maybe one year. They've either got injured or moved from Eastern State. We're not talking yep. about Wildcats or, or that. So the one-hit wonders. One of the, my favourites was in the early days of the Rainbow Coast Raiders. They went and got a point guard who I think his name was Todd Matthews. And he was only a young kid. I think he might have been 18 at the time. But he went back to South Australia and won their MVP. He was outstanding. Just one year in the league and then disappeared. Who else you got? Um, I've got a few more, but I want to put it on your website. So I want other people to okay. come up the top All 10 right. one-hit wonders of unrestricted play. So not NBL guys, cats that drop back. Um, that, that sort of guy. All right. That sounds um, sounds very good. All right. Perfect. We'll, we'll both Thanks, guys, for having me. For next week. Thanks, Mark. Absolute pleasure. See ya. See you, Mark. I'll, uh, I'll wait for the text message reply. Thanks. <laughs> Okay, still going here on SBL Shoot Around this weekend. A great honour to speak to someone who's now an all-time great of the SBL. He's one game short of 450 games in the league. He's a two-time championship winner. He's a, a multiple-time grand final grand final captain. He's he's a three-time Joondal Up Wolves MVP. He's, there's very little that he hasn't done in this league, and he's still going strong. Whatever sort of a league we've got happening in 2020, I'm sure Seb will be at the at the forefront of it with the, with the Wolfpack. So, Seb, thanks very much for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. That was uh, one of the best intros I've ever heard, mate. So, yeah, that was great. <laughs> Fully deserved. Now, we've got Ben on the line with us as well. What's What's it like? Now, not being coached by Ben Etridge for for twenty twenty. Oh yeah, look, it was uh, it's it's a bit weird. Ben and I are kind of like um, brothers, or it was a more like a father figure at the moment. Like, yeah, it was um, been in each other's lives for you know best part of ten years, and um, you know saw each other every second night of the week, and yeah, rocking up and not seeing my old mate there for the first time was a little bit weird, but um, yeah, I'm sure he's enjoying his time off at the moment. Yeah, I was, I was about to say I haven't missed it one bit, and um, <laughs> seeing you trying trying to warm up for a uh, for a practice on a Thursday night, um, yeah, not missing that at all. But in all seriousness, mate, uh, am missing it, um, and sort of staying in touch as much as I can with, with you guys. And I'm I'm glad to see that you're you're up and about for this year, and um, and looking like we are going to have some basketball that's going to be able to be played. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously, um, nothing like really confirmed yet, but yeah, any time that um, you know, we put a massive effort in in the preseason, and uh, the team was, uh, in my opinion, looking uh, really good for another crack at a title. So, and unfortunately, with, with things turning out the way they did, it that didn't have, it's not going to eventuate. But you know, hopefully, if if we do get back out on the court, it, we can still you know implement a few new things that we've that we're going to do this year, and um, you know, give some young guys a, a run as well. So, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see um, what it looks like and, and go from there. So again, we we just sort of spoke to Mark, and he he talked us through 
um, what it was like from a coaching standpoint to to go through that whole process. And I sort of, when we spoke about it in week one, the, the only example I could think of to, to liken it to was your 350th when we, we rocked up and, and Van said the court was wet and we, yeah. we had to put everything on ice. But you know, what yeah. from a player's perspective, we're having gone through it and you've gone through a number of pre-seasons and Again, a uh, change in, in the scenery up there probably invigorates you and you're, you're ready and raring to go. What was that mm. like when it, when it first hit you that, hey, this, this has been taken away? Yeah, to be honest, um, it was a little bit surreal. Like, obviously, this pandemic, like, no one has ever seen before. So a lot of information was unknown and, you know, there was no real dates or no real kind of concrete thing that we could go off so yeah it was just more of a waiting game for for a fair while there and then obviously as the weeks went on yeah we kind of started to realize that yeah this this could be a bit more serious than it was and obviously was so yeah and it, it was just yeah disappointing that you know all that effort and hard work that we put in the pre-season on the court and in the gym and you know adding you guys in imports and stuff like that which as you know can can take a long time yeah it was just i suppose more disappointing in the end that we didn't get a chance to get out and, and show what we, we were preparing for. And how are you going? And I, as I said, you know, this is probably your 20th pre-season. Um, where, where were you at and what were you, how are you feeling? I know people always want to talk about the motivation that we've had to, to keep getting back to those you know, first, set, first, first Saturday in September sort of thing. Like, where were you at mentally and physically and, and were you looking forward to, to having another, another crack? Yeah, I think, um, as you said, like a bit of a, a new voice kind of kept me on my toes to start and it was a bit of a weird pre-season because a lot of the, the main group were away on um, on Rob's uh, wedding overseas. So it was essentially myself and, and the young guys and I, I found that really, uh, one, challenging just to, you know, um, you know, lead them and show them kind of how to get through a pre-season and obviously, you know, learning new um, systems and terminology for the new coach and coaching staff so for me it was a, it was a big um i suppose learning curve but you know i really enjoy the challenge and you know i was um you know putting a lot of effort in uh you know in the gym with um i'm fit bit of a plug there for the boys um and you know i was feeling really good the body body was good and yeah i was i was raring to go and um yeah, mentally, I was. I think like I kind of understood my role within the team, and um, I think everyone was kind of on the same page. So, yeah, again, I was hoping for, I was uh, up for a big season. And as I, as Chris sort of alluded to when you when you read out your resume, you're, you're sitting on 449 games. Is it a was the, is the goal 450 or is it 500? Where's where where's your goal? <laughs> and does you know missing out on perhaps the 26, 28 uh, this season? Does that you know? Does that push that timeline out for you? you know, have you got three you have capacity to go three more years and, and get to that five hundred? Well, firstly, the goal is is a championship. Um, so uh, yeah, any time. <laughs> Learn that from you. Um, yeah, obviously, a goal is, is is a championship, regardless if it's four forty, four fifty, or you know, two game, whatever it may be. Um, however, yeah, that little. Carrot has been dangled, and yeah, like I've I've said it to many people, I'm just a, a one season at a time at the moment. Um, to be honest, maybe the the time off is might have been good for the body, possibly. You know, you know, no double headers and you know training in the cold on a Tuesday Thursday night might have um, reinvigorated the body with a bit of time off. Um, so yeah, like I said, I've I've been trying to stay in some sort of shape in the time off, and you know, hopefully. 
I'll, I'll see how we go. If if it's if it means if we win a championship and I'll just reassess from there. If the wife let me lets me play another season, that's that's another mm-hmm. story. So yeah, with, with other with other things going on with family and that, yeah, it's got a lot of things to weigh up whether I play keep going on after the next couple of years. Basically, what you described then was what you and Trian were trying to convince me um, you should be doing for the last two years. Get on the <laughs> Damien Maddox uh, rotation, no double headers. Don't have to Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah. uh, yeah. keep, keep the legs fresh. So, no, that's, I was hoping, uh, the, I was hoping the, uh, sorry, I was hoping the track pants at training was uh, was a good, <laughs> good enough hit, mate. But obviously not. <laughs> yeah, no, this, and then you know that's it. We just sort of mentioned before that um, we're having a chat that um, you know, maybe that does you know a, a team such as the Wolves, who you, you're not going to have your imports here for this this short season. Um, mm. It does maybe fit fit into a Damien Maddox or someone mm. who who might not be able to manage a full season, but uh, just to bolster your playing stocks. Yeah, absolutely. And give you that that veteran around the group. So if there's a few got few guys like that around the league, that perhaps yeah sees that this was going to be their final one or their last year was that they might sort of get them back in for another another go around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and on the flip side of that, they might realise oh you know life's not too bad without. SBL, do you know what I mean? So yeah, uh, yep. you know, devil's advocate a bit. So yeah, it could be, you know, it could be uh, the uh, the other decision made there. But I, I would imagine, um, you know, most of the guys would would miss enough to to go around here. And I think the NBL one coming next year is pretty exciting as well with with what's happening there. So I think, um, yeah, it'd be pretty sad to um, you know finish on a not not season if you want to call it that um, in twenty twenty. And and just sort of on that, like you know, say the season does go ahead, and and you're hearing lots of different stories and that. And one of the things that I've, I've sort of heard is that you know that the stats from this season and the, and the games played wouldn't count. Is that, again, is that something that you know you you look at it and go, well, it's a it's a legit competition, or is it you know we're we're doing it just because we want to play basketball? Like where where does it sit from a player's point of view? You know, there's no there's no championship essentially on the line if it's not called yeah. the State Basketball League. Like where does yeah. that sit with you? Well, yeah, it's essentially a, a high level domestic comp then, isn't it? And, um, you know, for me personally, I'm a pretty competitive guy and, you know, whether it's, you know, playing SBL or playing round three with my with the my kids at school type of thing. It's um I, I want to go out and compete and win. And if it's something against the the best players in Perth, I think it still had would have some kind of um you know justice to it, I suppose. But uh, you know yeah. again that's that's me personally. Uh, you know whether that someone else would think differently, I'm not too sure. Yeah, and I think as I said, I think a couple of weeks ago the the guys are I, I guess more than anything itching to play. Um, we play because we love the game. We love we love getting out there and and whether it was uh, five on five pickup at, at at Loftus on a on a Sunday or you know you're you're playing up in Kalgoorlie you know, for the Wolves. Um, guys are going to want to be out there. They're going to want to be competing. So yeah, I think uh, that would probably be the consensus around for for most people that they just want to get out there and play. Absolutely. What's this period during COVID nineteen been like at home for you? You obviously got your wife. You got your young family now. Um, yep. I spoke to a couple of guys in the NBL. You know, Tim Conrad and Cam Glidden, and they've talked about how it's almost been a blessing in disguise because they're they're new dads and they've got to spend time at home with their kids where they just wouldn't have got that chance otherwise. What's yep. it been like for you at home with with your family during this time? Yeah, couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, I've got two. Um young daughters one's nearly four and a, and a one and a half year old so when when this the covid stuff here from hitting the isolation rules were in kind of thing i was on uh, holidays as well from school for two mm. weeks so we, yeah nothing was open and we couldn't go anywhere really so it was just um me the wife and the girls and yeah it was 
I, I, I cherish it. It was it was unbelievable just to spend that time with the girls all the day uh, throughout the day and just kind of you know see them how they how they grow so quickly. Um, you know because I you know obviously go to work and come home, so I miss missing miss them a fair bit with you know what they do throughout the day so it was pretty cool just to go outside and you know jump in the sandpit with them or you know go for a walk around the block with the dog and you know um pick up on the little quirks so it was pretty pretty cool now this is a question from left field but i've got to ask or else i'll i'll never get left alone at at home a couple of years ago when when my partner laura started coming to basketball games with me because she realized that if she didn't spend her weekends at sbl games then she wouldn't get to see me when we first went to a Wolves game, she quickly looked out onto the cordon, recognised you straight away as somebody that she, she went, to, went to school with, and ever since, she's been convinced that there's no way in the world you would have remembered going to school with her. Now, let's just put it out there so I can get some peace finally and we can put it to bed. Do you remember going to school with, with Laura Jaleff or not? Yes, I do. Wow, there yeah, we go. Warwick Senior High School, yep. Warwick Strong, absolutely, yeah. There we go. That's crazy. Well, Small world. Fantastic to be proved right as well. So thanks for that. Yeah, that'll good. Uh, clear that for you, <laughs> Ben. What else do you got for Seba? Oh, I had one, and then that, that question threw me because he might have to edit this video. <laughs> me too, what, mate. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was wondering where I was going to go. Um, oh, what was I going to ask? It was. Um, oh, all right. So it's well well documented the history that we have in in grand finals. So I I tend to. And Chris has already hit me up with uh with one about the ones that, that we, we finished second in. Um yep. but in your opinion, uh and I'll I'll take this from the Wolves um Instagram page, which team do you think was better? Twenty eleven mm, or twenty fifteen? You're killing me here, though. Far out. Um I actually, I know which one I think was better and it might surprise you, but I sort of put all of them, I, I went through all teams and as to which one I thought was actually the best that we had. If I, if I, yeah, if it was a one-off grand final again, I'd probably go 2011. 2011? What about yeah. of all of them? Which Why? one do you think? Which are, uh, what do you mean? Oh, out, of, out of all the out teams. Out of all the ones that made it, yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, no, no, so that's, that's, that's the first part. So, yeah, 2011. So, okay. I, I think 2011 too. I think we were pretty pretty good and every position covered over um, in, in 2011. So that's, that would yeah. be of the two championship teams. But there's, there's one team in that, in that run that I actually think was the one that perhaps didn't quite achieve for, for a lot of different reasons. Well, there's the, the team that we didn't even make the grand final that, you know, we lost. 2013. Yeah. Uh, 2012. So, yeah. Yeah, so oh mate, I think we only lost two or three games that season, um, yeah. and you know we we're on fire, and then just caught. Um, I think it was East Perth in the semis, and they were they were obviously a talent. I think they ended up winning it in the end um, with Kyle and Tom. I think they lost to Coburn in that one. Oh, sorry, yeah, next, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. So anyway, but we we had um, yeah, you went off to the Olympics, the Paralympics. I think Gregor. Had, um, his finger. Seventh, yeah, his seventh finger chopped off. Um, Hussey um, was it, had a tattoo appointment, I think, or went to college. And um, yeah, it was just yeah. The, if anything, if you you couldn't script it any worse, I suppose. But um, I think yeah. yeah, in regards to just depth, talent, um, cohesiveness, all that kind of stuff, that was probably yeah the team that was um, probably the yeah. You know, I, I looked at I look at that one and go yeah. Huss, so Hussey and Robbo. Uh, yourself, Jordan Wild, uh, Greg, yep. Damo, um, 
you know, and then then the the, the kids, Reese Langford, um, Reese Reese Smythe, Reese uh, Reese Maxwell, like those guys. Mm. Just yeah, that was that one that yeah, twenty three and three in the regular season, and then yeah, just everything sort of the perfect storm as you will in that in that grand in that final series where one thing after another, one domino fell, and then they they all fell after him. So. Yeah, 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 it was one that we'll never know, but hundred percent. And yeah, it was just one of those things where I think, um, yeah, one bit of news came, and the other bit of news, and the other bit of news, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? <laughs> but yeah. it is what it is. Yeah, as um, yeah, no, we'll never know, I suppose. And so, uh, you know, as you sort of move forward, so where where are you seeing yourself in, say, five years' time? Like, what's the um, what's the what's the plan for Sebo? Is it is it coaching Mackenzie's? Under eights team, or is there a, a chance we might see you on a sideline, either with a state team or, or yeah. helping out with an SVL team? What's your What's your long term sort of? You know, when the ball stops bouncing, how are you How are you going to stay involved in basketball, or do you want to stay involved? Yeah, absolutely. I, yeah, I've, I've I've been I've had a ball in my hands since I was you know four years old, so I, I think I'd be silly not to. To, you know, just to not give back, I suppose. But um, yeah, I've had the opportunity to do a bit, a little bit of coaching with state school boys basketball teams, or assistant coaching, and um, you know, was helped out Nixie with the under twenties state team this year. And uh, yeah, it's something that definitely interests me, and you know, I feel like I've um, you know learned a lot of things over the years. Um, and whether it's coaching, you know, junior level, or you know, helping out as an assistant or, or still continuing my role as, um, you know, this uh, basketball program coordinator at school, like developing that. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but yeah, I do. I would love to see, like, you know, expand my kind of knowledge and, and get into the to the coaching side of thing and turn grey and angry like everyone else, every other coach that I know. <laughs> yeah, well, mate, absolute <laughs> uh, honour and pleasure to have uh, have you go on a battle for me um, for all those times. And as you said at the start, um, yeah, it's almost like a, a brother's relationship, uh, although you're probably the, the much better looking brother. Um, <laughs> but um, it's been a blast and have loved watching you evolve into into the, the man you've become, the father you've become and the, the leader you've become. Um, couldn't couldn't think of a better bloke to to lead lead the eleven other boys onto the court every time we went out and um and played. So yeah, thanks for catching up with us and look forward to catching up with you once this is all over and um hopefully watching you getting up and down the boards and and catch up for a beer after. Absolutely appreciate it, guys. And yeah, you, you guys are doing a good job with uh you know keeping the uh, SBL spirit alive through this podcast. So yeah, good job on that. Well done. Thanks, Seb. Okay, big thank you to Seb Selina, somebody that you've got such a rich history with, Ben, and great to great to hear you two speak to each other. That's let's be honest. One of the great benefits of this show is hearing hearing you catch up with people that you idolised growing up, people that you played against, people that you've coached against, and now someone that was your longtime captain at the Junior Love Wolves and you went through so much together. So fantastic to, to chat to him. Now let's go straight from that into our final segment here on this week's SBL Shoot Around, and let's have a look at how the Junior Love Wolves were shaping up for for 2020 under a new coach, Andrew Somerville. We've obviously Touched, touched on on some of this already with, with Seb previously. A completely new look team it was going to be. New imports, no Damien Maddich, obviously for the first time in, in a long time. A new coach. Any idea how you expected the Wolves to go this year? Yeah, look, again, when you keep your core together, um, like as we did over the over that journey, um, you're always sort of just plugging in those pieces that fit what you need to do. Uh, what I wouldn't rule out for this little ten week season that we might have is that you maybe a Damien Maddox does um, don yeah, the green okay. again. 
uh, a ten week season. He tends to to play in these you know stronger summer leagues, Lakeside and and Perry Lakes yeah. over the uh, yeah. over the summer because they sort of fit fit his work schedule and then his body can handle that. So a ten week season would probably slot nicely into to where Damo is. And as I've always said, any any amount of Damian Maddox in your team is um is a huge advantage for you. So sure. um, and look, we look at the. The, the turnover of players there, I think probably one of the things that um, was also a strength was that the staff that we had there at June Lop. Yep. You know, if, I, if I run through Luke Brennan, Doug Gates, Ben McFarlane, Ryan Campbell, Donna Ironmonger, those those are people that were there and helped build the, the culture off the court. So um, I know for the boys, it was was almost like a security blanket that those people were there mm. and knew what, what we needed to do and how to go about it. So how much of a change it is um, off the court for the guys would be different, uh, especially a new head coach and, and all new coaching staff. Um, so yeah, that's probably the the, the biggest thing for me would be is that high turnover of staff off the court um, gonna gonna upset the apple cart up there if um you know if if those people aren't there but at the end of the day the players have got to go out and play and they've, they've, they've done a great job of that you know, in the last sort of eight or nine years yeah it's hard to imagine that they still wouldn't be around the mark again this year in how the competition was shaping up or in in this new look competition you would still think they'll find a way to be competitive um Callum under eastern suns we spoke about this team with mark udley obviously a little bit earlier on two new imports as he spoke about albert Almanza and tevin bellinger were looking pretty exciting they won't be here for this shorting shortened season but jermaine marley and brendan donato are two very handy pickups for the backcourt um I, I like those two players from east perth and and Jer- Carlton, respectively. Um, again, aside from the turnover in imports, it's pretty much a similar team to what he had had last year. And if Lewis Timms is fully healthy, Corey Easley's still there as a as 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 the, as the veteran. You know, you got Cooper Lowe, Ryan Blanchett, Logan Viscovich. Um, he's got he's got plenty to work with. Oh, most definitely. And and with Mark and and what you what I would see or would be planning for this year was you know they were five hundred last year, thirteen and thirteen and. Let's say that uh, of those 13 they lost this year, they could you know, split that number in half. Suddenly mm. they're up around that 18 or 19 wins, which puts you in the top four of the draw. 20 wins last year got, you know, it was one, two, three. So if they could get in those, those high teens, up around 20 wins for the season, they'd be looking at, at home court advantage in the final or at least one mm. in the new finals format, that, that one game at home. Um, and with Mark, having that team, having that residual, having the ability, having the belief that those guys would have in Mark, I would think that they would be able to um, maybe take care of business on their home court in that round one yeah. and then get yeah. someone on a, if they if they maintain that advantage in round two or the cards fall their way. I think uh, you know in year two, they would be setting their sights on at least a, uh, a, a top four finish with a with a finals win. That would be, be where they would be setting themselves. And having a look at their two imports, two quality guys again, Mark's done his, done his homework um, and adding Jermaine Marley and uh, Brennan Donato you know, they're they're two quality guards in the SBL, so um, would have would have seen them probably jumping up from uh, eighth to 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 the top four this year. Yeah, I I agree completely. Lakeside Lightning, um, Dave Daniels back for his third season as coach, and and pretty much they've kept the same team. They've swapped. They, Joby Wall's gone out. Jay Bowie was to come back, who's a proven import in this league for what he did at Williton and and then in Kalgoorlie last year. I know Kyle, Kyle Armas out with his knee injury but pretty much the same team that went went so close to beating Geraldton to get to a grand final last year they lost lost that that game three on their their home floor uh, and that and that was after Kyle had gone down down injured that same same weekend every reason to suggest that provided you know Mike, Michael Vigor and Jared Prue and, and Jack Eisenbarger and company are all back again that they'll be they'll be a pretty strong team 
Yeah, look, I'd be interested to know um, where their college contingent is. Um, you know, Corey Sherville, mm-hmm. Ferguson, you know, those kids who yep. maybe haven't gone back, um, having come home, um, their availability to play suddenly that that adds gives them that depth. Um, mm-hmm. Some quality players there. Um, yeah, Michael Vigor also, you know, being back for um, for the start of the season or for for part of the season is always huge for them if he's if that's where he's going to play. And yeah, Jack Eisenberger and and Jay Bowie's be a formidable um, import pairing. Do you expect them to be a team that's again just knocking on the door? They they've been you know so close now the last couple of years. Yeah, um, yeah, Dave does a great job. As Mark and I spoke about, he pairs the teams very well. They play a very up-tempo, up-tempo style. And you know, last year with Eisenberger and, and, and Wall, they, they shot shot a, a ton of threes and, and encourage everyone to do so. Um, they'll definitely play up-tempo, and when they when they start to hit a couple, uh, the rest of the team seems to lift. And, mm. and Jared, the ever, evergreen Jared Prue, creating those extra opportunities is um, is something that they've sort of been their bread and butter for for such a long time. The Mandra Magic. It sounds unfair to say, but almost more excitement around their coaching staff than than anything coming to this season with Ricky Grace joining Aaron Traher on the, the coaching bench. But Jared Gray looked like, from what I saw at the Blitz, that he would have been a, been a very handy import. They were getting Ben Smith back to give them some size inside. Obviously, obviously Jeremy Grace was going to be here for the, the whole season this year, which would have been, been a big boost given the glimpses that he did show late last season. But losing Sean Stewart was was going to be big with the the way that he had produced over the last two years. Yeah, it's tough to know if they would have improved a hell of a lot on their six wins of last year. Yeah, again, as you say, you know the the amount of knowledge on that on that sideline is uh, only going to be an advantage for them down the track. And I think mm-hmm. maybe that's what they're looking towards. The import Gray, um, lefty, always like a lefty. Um, mm. Looked uh, looked like he get after it, shoot the ball well, like a like a bit of a poor man's Luke Payne. Um, mm-hmm. As I watched him, um, that sort of do a bit of everything and uh, and tough. Maybe the the size factor, um, you know, six foot three, how much impact he could he could have without um, someone else there to you, know, you could probably play your, your normal size point guard. I can imagine a Kyle Armour or a Ben Einmunger being able to sort of handle him at, at 6'3". Um, so, you know, that, that was probably going to be a, a tough season for him um, as the lone hand down there. But, yeah, look, you know, that you can't doubt they had the coaching credentials there and it's going to pay dividends in the in the long run. Yeah, let's hope so because we do, we do want to see them rise back up the ladder sooner rather than later. Last team we'll look at for this week, Perry Lakes Hawks. Matt Parsons coming into his fourth season as coach. Um, they had two really good imports that had just arrived and then pretty much just got on the plane to turn turn straight, a, straight away home once everything happened. Gretchen Griffin and Mike Parks Jr. They've brought over Austin K- Kisilev from East Perth, who I know I know Matt Parsons is pretty excited about. John Redditch was good to go for another, another, fu- another season and they would have got a full season out of him. But they've had some losses. Brian Carwell, I don't know about Clint Steindl. There might be still a chance he'll play. Tevin Jackson, he's gone to the Redbacks, as has Carwell. Cole Sovine, who they probably didn't quite get as much out of him as they thought they would last year. I think they look like they would have improved on last year, and that was a, that was a team that you did play and beat in the semifinals. What did you expect from the Hawks this year? Yeah, look, Parsons is always going to go and get himself that that point guard and that big. And um, I looked at the at their point guard, and he reminded me a lot of Brighton Hobbs, um, slasher, could could shoot, could create. Uh, didn't mind pumping his chest up and a few few <laughs> chest bumps and all those sorts of things, which 
you know, in, in, in the right environment can, can be an advantage to you. And when I looked at their big guys' highlight tapes, I thought they'd recruited Boogie Cousins, um, mm-hmm. you know, watching him play. And, but then you do a bit more of a deep dive and, you know, it wasn't a lot of, a lot of offense there. It was only five points a mm-hmm. game in college. And whether that translates to, to double figures, I definitely probably would have been an inside presence and, maybe even led the league in rebounding. Um, but look, Matt's always going to get his team up and about and, and Sean Reddidge is always going to come out and give you 100% from the, the moment the whistle whistle goes and, and Ben Purse is an MVP calibre type player. So um, if they can get the right pieces around them and, and who knows, um, again, the, that one-off, one-off final series now might might help them a little bit more with uh, a couple of ageing bodies in there that they don't have to go go three games in a, in a final series. So, yeah, probably would look to them to be you know, around that sort of middle middle to top top four with a, with a, you know, a fair eye on, um, on having a crack at a, a, another championship. Yeah, I fully expect them to be right up there as well, especially if there's no imports. Um, I think their local contingent could be just about as good as as good as anybody's, you know, provided Sean is is up, fit and raring to go as as I, as I believe he is. And you know, when you got Purser and and Robbie Casier and Ryan Smith and and a couple of their their young guys as well that were, were really starting to to come through, Mitch Clark running the point. I think they've they've got plenty to work with. So we'll wait to see how they shape up. This has been a massive show, Ben. This has been our biggest show yet. There's been so much to talk about that we haven't even been able to come close to covering everything we, we wanted to talk about. We could have easily spoken to, to both both Mark Utley and, and Steph Salinas a lot more. We've got a lot more to dissect in terms of the competition that has been proposed to, st- to start up in July. We haven't even mentioned basketball movies. We could have mentioned a lot more about the, our favourite basketball players in the SBL from the 1990s. But all in all, the fact that we've got so much to talk about, that's a great positive that we're obviously doing something right here on SBL Shootaround. Yeah, always, always lots to talk about in basketball, uh, and love sharing it, and love, love getting people's input. So yeah, enjoying it very much. Now, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, just whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, just type in SBL Shootaround and you'll find us. Send us through some comments or questions for Ben if you've got some, and we'll be sure to read them out on the show next week and and put Ben under the pump if if we can we'll have another special guest we might we might go back to taking a trip down memory lane to a past legend again next week we'll leave it in suspense who we might come up with but but you you surely won't be disappointed i hope everyone's really enjoying what we're producing here on the show indeed if you want to partner up with us we'll be more than happy to try to team up and and work with some local companies to to obviously come together with some sort of mutual agreement and we'd love to have you as part of sbr shoot around here if you want to be involved in in the name of the show or if you love one of the segments so much that you would like to make it your own please get in touch with us at any of those places or even at sbrshootaround at gmail.com send us an email and we'll get back to you as soon as we can but for for another week ben i'll wrap things up i'm chris pike and i'll leave you with ben etridge for the final words I think for me, it's just to uh, reiterate what Mark said. Uh, we're, we've sort of taken that, that journey down memory lane there with the um, the former imports and, and stuff that were in the SBL. And let's uh, let's put the call out for those you know best Australians that came over and played in the league that perhaps are only here for a short time. Um, not Wildcats guys that came and played, but if there's anyone you can think of, um, give me a shout out. We'll put our list together. I'm sure Mark's got a, a list ready, compiled, ready to go. And, and looking forward to hearing the feedback and, and catching up with people. Please feel free to reach out and as Chris said, um, any one of the media channels, social media channels there, um, hit us up and always happy to talk basketball.